0: gentlemen to the first episode of the Compass Rose Counseling and Consultation Mental Health Podcast. We are very excited uh, to go on this journey, to embark on this journey with you guys today. Uh, My name is Christian Tomasco. I am a licensed independent clinical social worker and co-owner and co-clinical director of Compass Rose Consultation. Um, Here with my business partner, Alexandra Fox, LPC, also the co-owner and co-clinical director of Compass Rose Counseling and Consultation. We started this practice way back in May of 2019. And here we are in August of 2021 a uh, uh, robust, uh, fully functional, successful uh, practice here in downtown Washington, DC. And uh, we have been working on developing uh, this particular platform, the podcast platform, uh, over the past year. And we are excited to finally launch it today with our uh, very first uh, episode. this uh, the title of today's episode uh, is uh, what is mental health it is a question a very very important question that we are going to uh, discuss in depth today and hope we hope uh, through this podcast um, not just today but moving forward uh, that you our listeners um, learn quite a bit about uh, mental health not just what mental health is uh, but um, you know kind of what mental health services, uh, are out there. What uh, uh, therapeutic uh, modalities are? How do we treat mental health? Right, but in order to kind of address and uh, to answer all those questions, we first have to define what mental health is, and it might not be uh, quite as simple a definition as you think. Uh, I think there's a lot of confusion in our society about mental health, what it is, what it means, what it looks like, how it manifests in in human behaviors. So we're going to uh, try to answer that question for you guys today. We hope you learn quite a bit. Alex?
1: Yeah. So uh, my name is Alexandra Fox of Compass Rose Counseling and Consultation. Uh, We have named our podcast Compass Rogue as an R-O-G-U-E. Uh, because we're gonna go a little bit off-road, and we're just gonna um, have a discussion about what mental health is. Um,
0: we're gonna we're gonna go rogue from time to time, much like the famous politician uh, uh, Sarah, Sarah Palin, Palin, who is one of Alex's <laughs> idols uh, and inspirations for this podcast. Just kidding.
1: <laughs> yeah, one of my favorite jokes. Uh, what's the difference between a hockey mom and a pit bull? Uh, lipstick. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm really don't like her. So I, I just want to make that. I think
0: our, I think our clients and our listeners understand that. (laughs) Yeah. Okay.
1: So, uh, first of all, I think we have to say very important, uh, point is that, uh, if you are in a mental health crisis, um, you should definitely reach out and get help. Uh, a crisis, um, you know, you define a crisis, uh, but, uh, A lot of people can define it differently, but the the crisis I'm talking about is if you are a harm to yourself or others, if you're feeling uh, very poorly, you really need to reach out to somebody and not rely on the podcast for mental health treatment, um, which, you know, that's reaching at this point. But um, I just have to say that. for the sake of everybody's health, uh, call 911 if you are feeling poorly. There are actually really great uh, resources for people that are are, are suicidal. Um, uh, is it SAMHSA? There's a hotline. I should probably get that number and put it up on the website. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so so just you know, yeah. So like Christian said, uh, defining mental health is not as easy as one would think, um, and. Mm-hmm. What, what would you say are the greatest obstacles to clearly defining what mental health are Christian? Well, I, I well, think mental health is not our, yeah. what, what is mental health?
0: Yeah. So, uh, over the, uh, I think really, up until the last 50 years in our society, uh, most, uh, Americans, most people in our country, had no idea what mental health was. Um, they could not clearly define it, right? Outside of the, uh, the psychiatric uh, uh, industry, uh, outside of the mental health industry and the, the medical community, your average person uh, w- w- you know, uh, was unable to clearly define and describe what mental health is. And that's because um, our, as a society, as a culture, we've never placed a focus On mental health the importance of maintaining and preserving and improving one's mental health uh, and why it's important to do so Um, I I
1: think you make a very good point because when you say mental health uh, I think uh, what you're saying is that back in the day you know historically when we say uh, someone has mental health issues, we're really talking about mental illness, right? Yeah. We're talking about severe and persistent mental illness. But I'm here to say, and you're here to say, yeah. um, as practitioners that have been in the field for many years, mm-hmm. um, that we're not just talking about people having uh, severe pathology. We're yeah. talking about being proactive about your mental health and looking at it more uh, from, a, uh, from a holistic uh, standpoint.
0: Yes. Yeah, and and that's why I mentioned. It, it's really only in the past fifty years that uh, mainstream American society has uh, learned to become a bit more comfortable with the idea of mental health and reaching out and accessing mental health services. Because uh, prior to uh, that period of time, prior to I'd say the uh, really. I, you could argue, you know, in the last, it's only in the last 25 years, really, that uh, uh, the idea of uh, addressing, managing and improving one's mental health uh, by reaching out uh, to the mental health community, particularly therapists, uh, has become kind of uh, acceptable, socially acceptable. Um, It's a rather recent social and cultural phenomenon, actually, you know, addressing one's mental health. And that's because up until the past, 25, 30 years, I, I initially said the, 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 the last 50 years, mental health is not something that was even discussed uh, outside of uh, the psychiatric and, and uh, medical community. And even in some circles, some facets of the medical community, it was not really addressed adequately. It still isn't. Uh, and so pe- so people were largely in the dark about what it meant uh, to what depression, about what depression was, what anxiety uh, uh, was, uh, and how it, it manifests in one one's behaviors and adversely impacts one's uh, behaviors. Um, and so defining mental health is not something that your average American, um, uh, I think, was even able to do up until the last 25 to 30 years or so.
1: Yeah, you bring up a good point when you're saying, uh, you know, that it, let me just say this. And then, I, let me
0: just say that's also the reason why the, the, the average American was not able to do that until about 25, 30 years ago is because of the stigma associated with mental health and lack of education about uh, mental health and the importance of preserving, preserving it and managing it. The, 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 I think the mental health advocacy community and the medical community has done a, an amazing job over the past 30 years of raising awareness about mental health and what it is. Uh, so that people uh, have become more educated about it and therefore more comfortable with with managing their mental health
1: Well, I think yeah, and, and you bring up a good point uh, or at least I thought of something as you were talking mm-hmm. where um, it, I think that it was looked at from a, a disease model as mm-hmm. as has a lot of physical health yeah um and and still still uh in some ways uh physical health and mental health are looked at from a disease uh model but i think um that it has really evolved uh mental health in particular i think physical health is still Mm -hmm. from a disease uh uh, model Mm uh just I I don't know I don't want to get too much into the, like pharmaceutical companies etc but whatever we'll get uh, we'll we'll get there eventually but uh, but mental health in particular from a disease model to more of a um, a strengths based model right mm-hmm. so looking at mental health um, and and only addressing mental health if there are uh, if there is a psychopathology or a disease or things that are um, really disruptive to one's functioning mm-hmm. um, it that's not mental health anymore, right? So over the last, what, 30, 50 years, mm-hmm. uh, it, it, it has grown uh, immensely yeah. with the help of, of mental health advocacy. Mm-hmm. Um, clients, uh, peer, you know, uh, there's, there's like peer support. Anyway, the point being that uh, people have really advocated for themselves in the mental health community and people that are related to people that, uh, that, are, that have had mental health issues mm-hmm. Um, have have changed it from being a disease model to more of a a strengths-based model. And it's not as focused on, you know, psychopathology as it is on um, a more holistic approach and, you know, looking at people as human beings, not just receptacles for disease, which is what the medical community loves to do. And, you know, good for them in some ways, because we are, we do have diseases, obviously that need to be treated. Mental health can be a disease. There, there are mental health diseases. Um, but it isn't helpful to label things, um, as diseases if they're stigmatized because of that. Right? So taking the disease away from definitions of mental health and rather approaching it from a holistic strengths-based, uh, approach, um, I, I think is is a lot more um, uh, effective. Yeah, so I, and I I,
0: I think um, you know uh, again up until the early early twentieth century, uh, in the mid twentieth century, uh, mental health was considered to be. Um, There was a stigma associated with mental health and it was considered to be kind of something um, uh, that was only treated when it became very severe, right? Uh, The idea of mental health was that it was uh, kind of um, amongst your average American was kind of very anti-scientific. It was something confusing and scary and dark that was not discussed, right? There was no, uh, no real comfort level uh, associated with discussing or even attempting to understand mental health and again that was because of um, uh, that's because of social co- co- social and cultural conditioning right that uh, um, uh, stigmatized mental health and then downplayed its importance right it just wasn't something that was talked about uh, amongst your average person and when it was discussed it was always kind of within the context of someone, uh being uh, kind of crazy or described as crazy right uh uh which you know uh, as a, a clinical term would be psychotic right but your average person up until again 25 30 years ago uh would you know would see whenever they would see someone a homeless person in the park talking to themselves or shouting would just say to themselves oh that person's crazy they would not say oh that person uh, uh, has schizophrenia, right? Or is it is it experi or is experiencing an acute psychotic episode, right? They wouldn't, they didn't understand mental health in those terms, and and you know to to a large extent perhaps still don't. But I do think our society has become much more understanding, um, sympathetic to, and comfortable with discussing uh, mental health, right? I, th- I think the scope of mental health has increased, particularly over the past twenty five to thirty years. It's not just um, you know, when one's, when one is in crisis or experiencing a psychotic episode or when one is suicidal, um, uh, uh, mental health extends, the scope of, of mental health, right, uh, uh, extends way beyond that, right? Uh, we, we've kind of always in our society thought about mental health as something you respond to after someone is having a breakdown or a crisis. But uh, preventative care, the management of one's mental health, it's just as important as preventative care and physical medicine,
1: right? Well, it is physical medicine. Mm-hmm. So so that that is something that is really important to define when you're talking about mental health. Well, why don't we
0: first define mental health? Yes, but research? let me make yeah. this
1: point, mm-hmm. that physical health and mental health are not separate. And I want, I'm going to make that point over and over again. Um, and and why is that important? Well, because then we can treat it better mm-hmm. if we treat it from a holistic uh, a, approach mm-hmm. um, and we look at our, ourselves as biochemical mm-hmm. and we look at ourselves as a system, uh, we're not going to separate out different body parts to say this part isn't working uh, and, and this part, uh, it, it, it all works together. It's a machine. Um, yes. Sometimes we we will have an appendix taken out. It, it isn't working. It's hurting us. Uh, maybe we have a tumor that needs to be removed. That isn't working for us. But that's not actually part of us. It's something that developed um, as an anomaly, right? But to to separate out our minds and our bodies is not it's not useful. Yes. Um,
0: that and that wasn't that wasn't. Um... What I was saying, right? The the, quite the contrary, right? The the mind body connection is is incredibly important to understand, and we will be talking more about much more about the mind body connection during our podcast episodes. But yes, um, mental health is very much a physical disease. Most mental illnesses, in fact, are diseases of the brain, right? And and so uh, it is important for our listeners to to understand that and to understand the mind body connection, what, what impact, what starts in the mind can manifest in physical symptoms and physical kind of illnesses or ailments can carry over, uh, to one's, uh, uh mood, uh, focus, uh, um, uh, outlook, right. Uh, one's mental health, right. The two work in conjunction, the mind and the body, what impacts one impacts the other. Right.
1: Yes. Um, so you were going to say that. Yeah, I was going
0: to say, well, the, 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 I want to de- define mental health, uh, for our listeners before we move forward. Because I think it's important to um, uh, uh, clearly define mental health and then have perhaps a a follow-up discussion about what the definition really tells us, right? Uh, And so uh, I'm pulling up the definition now uh, on um, the Oxford Dictionary. The Oxford Dictionary's definition of mental health is a person's condition with regard to their psychological and emotional well-being, right? Uh, And so what does does that mean to you, uh, Alex?
1: A person's, say it again. <laughs> I don't know why I'm a hard time retaining that. Uh, uh, what person, did you say?
0: <laughs> a, mental health is defined by the Oxford Dictionary as a person's condition with regard to their psychological and emotional well being. I think that's, yes, a, that's a very A cl-
1: person's condition with regard to their psychological and emotional well-being.
0: Yeah. So I think that's a very clear-cut, de- uh, clear-cut uh, uh, definition. Yeah. Um, but perhaps we can expand it. Um, you know, the mental health. Uh, uh, it, it includes our emotional, psychological, and social well-being. Right? It affects almost every aspect of our existence. Right? It affects how we think. It affects how we feel. It affects how we act. Uh, yeah. It also helps to determine how we handle stress, uh, relate to others, problem solve, uh, uh, and 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 and. Uh, and Quite frankly, it it significantly contributes to the choices we make in life, big big and small. Um, It's important at every stage of life, from adolescence to adulthood to older uh, adulthood.
1: And I'm gonna say uh, infant mental health. You know, I've said this before and I'll say it again, um, that uh, it it starts in in utero, I I don't know a lot about the in utero part, to be completely honest, Uh, but infant mental health uh, attachments, um, that is an extremely important part of a person's development. Um, And to give you an example, um, uh, orphans uh, in the Ukraine, okay? Um, Or, yeah, let's use them as an example. Reactive attachment disorder, Or disorganized attachment um, that that starts when they're babies Um, there are a lot of theories Bowlby came up with theories of attachment Um, and it's really important from even that early on to start thinking about what is healthy for a human and their development so yeah behaviors begin early on based on experiences that people have Um, adaptive behaviors uh coping um how people problem solve it begins in infancy uh, in the developmental stages Um, yeah yeah.
0: anyway and so what what are some of the factors that uh contribute to uh, the development and uh, the impairment of one's uh, mental health Uh, well the development the management the improvement and potentially the impairment of one's uh, mental health, right so there there are a couple of factors um, uh, bio, there's uh, biological factors, right? Let's start there, right the Biological underpinnings of mental and physical health are important to understand, right? Um, uh, if one has a family history of uh, of um, uh, mental health uh, struggles, be it depression, be it anxiety, be it schizophrenia, um, it doesn't necessarily mean that the person uh, is is going to, uh, or every member of the family is going to experience mental health struggles. If your mother has it, doesn't mean that you're going to have the same diagnosis, right? Uh, but th- th- that is a component, right? It's a contributing factor to one having uh, a mental So there,
1: there are genetic components for sure, yes. for certain. So genetic predisposition to diseases, yes. um, both uh, from a, a mental health standpoint and a physical health standpoint, again, intertwined. Yeah. Uh, but yes, schizophrenia is one of them. Yes, there, there's, a,
0: there's a hereditary component to most, if not all, mental health. Diagnoses. Um, that,
1: yeah, I'm sorry. But it doesn't necessarily mean if you have that, that that marker that you're going to develop schizophrenia, but you are predisposed to it. And environmental factors can yeah. affect uh, that outcome. Which leads us to the
0: second uh, uh, factor, which is environmental stressors, environmental factors. Right. They both they contribute significant environmental factors. Uh, uh contribute significantly to one's development right both positively and negatively right your environment uh shapes you in many ways right oh yeah uh, and so your your environment can contribute positively and or negatively to uh your mental Uh, health, and if one has a uh, predisposition to a specific mental illness, particularly a severe and persistent mental illness like uh, bipolar disorder or uh, schizophrenia, it doesn't necessarily mean just because their parent, one of their parents or a grandparent has it that they're going to develop that or be diagnosed with that mental illness, but um, it is possible. And one of the factors that can contribute to the, 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 person experiencing Uh, mental health symptoms, particularly if they have a genetic predisposition to it, are environmental factors, right? uh, Environmental stressors in particular uh, can uh, lead to uh, mental health struggles, even if you're not, even if you don't have a genetic predisposition to it.
1: Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I have encountered a lot of people that have developed uh mental health symptoms because of community violence um that's that's a good example uh, we always think of abuse as contributing to mental health issues um and you know trauma and and the reaction to, to trauma and we think of it in, in like people's homes mm-hmm. sexual physical emotional um uh but there also, there's the component of, uh, of the community and how, to, how is the community supporting someone in their development or hurting someone in their development, right? Yeah. So if you're in an environment uh, like Detroit uh, in the 1980s, 90s, where... Um, you Detroit know- anytime. No no, 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 no. No, no, <laughs> no disrespect to
0: our listeners from Detroit. We love Detroit.
1: Say yes to Michigan. Yeah. Um, no, but there... So, so environmental factors, we're talking about economic factors, right? So the, yeah. the auto industry folds, the auto industry disappears, mm-hmm. becomes, you know, uh, uh, well, and it's like Flint too. I, I don't know. I'm stuck on Michigan. I'm from Michigan. So like, but yeah, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, so, so the economic uh, struggles of, of the people mm-hmm. based on the industry folding. And then what happens is it has this uh, domino effect um, where people then experience hardship, um, mm-hmm. crime. Uh, it, well, crime is always present everywhere in some, some way or another, yeah. but it becomes worse. Anyway, the point being um, that the environment then uh, that has supported someone previously all mm-hmm. of a sudden changes, um, and and there's violence, mm-hmm. there, there there's robbery, there, you know, uh, it, so many things can affect a person's mental health, mm-hmm. And um,
0: yeah, start. I mean, well, when we when we say environmental factors, it, it includes a number of different things. A right? number
1: you, of different you, things. Yeah, it's, economic it's, hardship. Yeah, it's
0: not just the, um, it's not just the, the, the your neighbor uh, you know who's loud and gets on your nerves because they have a barking dog in the apartment or something. I mean that's one that could be one environmental stressor, right? But it's it's all we're also talking about economic. Hardship, economic fa- economic issues or factors, right? Particularly hardships, uh, uh, pollution. Uh, um, you know, of course, the people that you are raised around, that you live around, right? Their behavior uh, impacts your mental health. Uh, systemic racism. Uh, yes. Uh, <laughs> I mean, so that's a whole other topic. Systemic race- racism uh, or any sort of uh, kind of... Um, uh, Individual or systemic uh, kind of intolerance, racism, homophobia, any sort of bigotry, right? Uh, individually or or uh, institutionalized. Um, uh, uh, noise level, right? Uh, noise level can can uh, impact uh, one's uh, mental health, right? The quality um, of
1: life issues that yeah. you're talking about. If if you're raising a child mm-hmm. in an environment. Uh, where bombs are going off, for instance, yeah. um, that child yeah. is more than likely going to develop a neural disorder, yeah. um, PTSD, yeah. and and it, it, then that will then impact them for the rest of their lives. Yeah. Um, and uh, they may function, they may manage, uh, but it will m- more than likely impact them for the rest of their lives. And yeah. they have to they have to learn how to manage those things. Yeah. So, so so it, it
0: really is. So when it, when it comes to uh, uh, the you know the, the the factors that shape uh, and determine the the status of your mental health. They are both biological and environmental. Um, uh, I, I think we I think that's pretty much uh, clear, right? We talked about the biological under underpinnings, uh, hereditary, family history of mental illness, uh, in combination with uh, in, a variety of yeah, uh, environmental nat- factors. Nature, nature
1: and nurture. Correct. Okay. Yep. So, uh, yeah.
0: And there's particular life experiences that I I think perhaps are more significant, generally speaking, than others um, that shape one's mental health. In particular, trauma and abuse, Uh, I I think, and they go hand in hand, of course, Uh, but I think trauma and abuse... Uh, transcend socioeconomic lines. Right? Oh, yeah, so, sure. uh, someone who grows up uh, in, in a wealthy community but is sexually or physically or emotionally abused, uh, uh, their mental health is is going to or likely to be uh, uh, poor. It's going to be damaged unless uh, they uh, have the um, um, uh, unless they seek out or have and access the appropriate mental health supports. Uh, I think if you grow up, uh, one who uh, grows up in um, an impoverished community that has less resources and less supports, um, uh, if they experience trauma and abuse, they are much more likely, uh, I think, to um, uh, be able to manage and maintain good mental health and bounce back from that trauma or abuse, right? So uh, community support, family support, uh, uh they serve as an incredible buffer when one is attempting to uh they're incredibly important components when one is aiming to manage and improve their mental health right
1: yeah i, I have uh clients whose home lives may not have been uh and this is over a span of many years uh, i'm talking about you know various clients yeah. that uh that may have had very tumultuous home lives uh it, it, you know Traumatic events, uh, but ongoing uh, abuse. So probably uh, developing complex trauma. Mm-hmm. And um, and but then outside of their homes, they had maybe a community center or maybe school was a haven for them. Mm-hmm. Um, and the resources available to them in the form of a teacher that was supportive, or uh, maybe an aunt or uh, you know a a grandparent. Um, so. Having, I feel like we're, I don't know, like a little tangential, um, we're, we're defining mental health, right? And we're talking now about how uh, mental health issues develop, right? I think we've
0: been very focused. We defined mental health. We then talked about the contributing factors to mental health, both biological and environmental. Yeah. We all—we then reviewed uh, a number of the environmental Factors, because when we say environmental, what does that mean? There are a number of 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 stimuli, a number of um, uh, stressors that that fall under the umbrella of uh, environmental factors that that contribute to one's mental health. Um, uh, uh, We talked about kind of uh, not just kind of individual experiences, but also uh, systemic problems that uh, contribute to. Uh, the the development of one's and the management of one's uh, mental health, and then I brought up two particular experiences that I think um, uh, uh, serve as uh, uh, greater detriments uh, than any other to one's mental health, and that's trauma and abuse. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, and and then so we're maybe talking
1: about some mitigating um, factors,
0: right? Yes, and so uh, well, my my point when I brought up trauma and abuse, I wanted to make the point, this is a very important point, that uh, trauma and, uh, and abuse and the impact it has on one's mental health and emotional well-being transcends, um so trauma and abuse period transcends socioeconomic and racial lines. Um, and the impact they have on one's mental health and emotional well-being transcend uh, uh, socioeconomic and racial lines, right? If you are a rich white person from Beverly Hills and you are raped, uh, your wealth, your uh, resources, your privilege does not protect you from the damage that that trauma is going to do to your mental health. Now, what it does, your privilege and your resources, uh, it, it gives you a better uh, uh, opportunity, a greater opportunity to heal and rebound uh, from uh, from trauma and abuse. Maybe. Uh, well, it, it, it gives you a better chance because you have at resources and uh, uh, um, privilege to access, right?
1: Sometimes resources and privilege actually act as a hindrance. Uh, well, I just, yeah. I'm talking
0: about basic resources, Basically. right? Basically. Okay, okay. Yeah, you're yeah. growing so up in, people, let's, let's yeah. not muddy the waters. Like, yeah. if we're just talking about a wealthy person in Beverly Hills who can afford therapy, who can afford medication, who can afford uh, to, uh, uh, you know, all, all of these kind of social and therapeutic services, does it mean that they are necessarily going to rebound and heal adequately from trauma and abuse? No. All it does is give them a better chance, right? Which is why we see more complicated, uh, uh, um, I think, uh, which is why we see uh, such pervasive mental Ill- untreated mental illness in lower uh, or poor socioeconomic communities, right? Because it largely goes untreated. The resources are not as abundant or as pervasive, and so they are not accessed, right? Uh, and when mental health uh, services are not available or accessed, either because they are out of the reach uh, of people financially or people have a reluctance to access them, uh, then what, what happens? Typically, the mental the mental health issue does not resolve itself it gets worse and it lingers throughout one's life and it impacts everything that that person does, all of their functionality, their life choices and their life outcomes.
1: So what I hear you saying this the infamous therapy line. What I hear you saying is that uh, mental health uh, is not non-discriminatory.
0: Correct. Uh,
1: everybody falls under the umbrella of mental health. Correct. Um, that, uh, yeah. So so everybody falls under the umbrella of mental health. Um, however, not everybody um, is able to treat their mental health concerns in the same way. Uh, it, it's not equal. There people don't have equal footing with regard to the resources that they have access to. So while everybody falls under the umbrella of mental health, it's non discriminatory. Uh, across socioeconomic lines, race, ethnicity, gender—in um, fact, treatment of mental health is somewhat discriminatory. Is uh, is lacking uh, for certain populations. And and then what does that equal?
0: <laughs> well, that's what I was referring to when I said that. You know, when I, I initially said that mental health is non-discriminatory, it it it, uh, it transcends socioeconomic and racial boundaries, right? As long as you're a human being, you're susceptible to uh, having poor mental health or your mental health damaged, right? Yeah. Uh, one's ability to manage their mental health, improve their mental health and bounce back or heal rather from a trauma or abuse is largely impacted by their access uh, to resources and their willingness to access resources. Again, does not if you are a wealthy person in Beverly Hills and you are a victim of a sexual uh, trauma, Does that mean you are going to uh, uh, properly address it or heal uh, adequately? No, not necessarily, but it gives you a better chance if you have resources to access, which is why, again, we see worse uh, mental health outcomes in poor communities. Yeah, so the
1: result of lack of access is a a greater number of of problems, um, more pervasive, more severe symptoms.
0: Uh, health outcomes for poor communities, both physical health and mental health, um, the health outcomes for poor communities are far worse yes. than for wealthy communities. And yes. I don't think it's difficult to understand why. We just laid that out for our listeners. But um, uh, uh, it's incredibly important that people understand the importance of, of mental health, what it is uh, what impacts it, how you can address it, how you can work to manage and improve it. That's kind of the point of, of, of our topic, our podcast today. So people have an understanding of what mental health is and why it's so important. If people have an understanding of what mental health is and why it's so important, they're more likely to be comfortable with addressing it and seeking out services and
1: supports. Yes. Um, I had a thought and it just went out of my brain very quickly. Uh, Oh, okay, yeah. So here's the thing: when we're talking about uh, what it, what is mental health, um, and we're talking about access to treatment, um, and we're talking about psychopathology, we're talking about more severe symptoms, we're talking about trauma, we're talking about abuse. I think we're leaving out um, the another part of the population um, that, and if we're going to talk about it from a non-disease model, right? Um, and again, like all of it is. Um, The population that we work with now, for instance, are not uh, experiencing psychopathology in the way that uh, a lot of people that have experienced uh, traumatic events that live in lower socioeconomic status communities um, experience. So does mental health only mean um, that someone has experienced a trauma or has a psychopathology or um, has experienced abuse? (laughs) and isn't getting treatment and their symptoms are severe, or are we talking about mental health from, a, from another vantage point also, which is that if, it, if everybody falls under the umbrella of mental health, and we're talking about the client population that we work with now, um, doesn't it also mean that people that are functioning pretty well, don't necessarily have trauma, but still experience um, what we would call mental health symptoms, and would like to have more uh, optimal, yeah. not more optimal, but optimal mental health. Yeah,
0: when I, I mentioned trauma and abuse, I specifically mm-hmm. brought them up as uh, experiences that perhaps adversely impact one's mental health much more so uh, than most other experiences, right? The trauma and abuse are arguably the most uh, uh, kind of psychologically devastating experiences one can Because experience. they are however, injuries. Correct, however, uh, mental health, uh, is not limited uh, to just those just those two. Of course, mental health is a spectrum. And we mentioned earlier that uh, the scope and kind of definition, not the definition, but the scope of understanding of mental health has expanded over the past 25 to 30 years. Up until the middle of the 20th century, it was viewed as um, uh, kind of something that Um, uh, only crazy people dealt with, right? And if you had a mental health crisis, you were crazy and you needed to be put in a hospital or uh, somehow marginalized from the rest of society. Um, that is not what mental health is. Mental health, as as we defined it earlier, um, is much broader than that. Um, and everyone uh, has an obligation to preserve and protect their mental health. There is you it? go.
1: Preserve and protect. So even if you're not experiencing symptoms, you still fall under the umbrella of mental health because yeah. we are preserving and protecting. We're not just yeah. Yeah. treating, right? We're being proactive about our mental yes. health, enacting practices in our lives, yeah to help promote uh, better
0: health. Yeah, we we don't, mental health is not something that you seek out services, that you should seek out services for only after you've had a crisis. That is usually the case, that's usually what happens. We want people to become more comfortable uh, with, with their, the idea of their mental health, understanding their mental health so that they don't view it as something that they seek out services for once a crisis occurs. We we want mental health to be viewed very much in the same way in terms from a, from a treatment standpoint as physical health, that it's something that you uh, 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 kind of work on in a preventative way, right? You, you, you work on every day to, to, to preserve and protect. And should you, uh, experience a crisis, then perhaps you increase the, the your services and supports, or uh, find another a different support. But it's not something that your mental health is not something that should only be addressed once a crisis occurs. It's something that you should manage every single day,
1: right? Yeah, uh, and through through diet, exercise, mm-hmm. um, talk therapy, support systems, sleep, sleep, smoking yeah. and join
0: every once in a while. Just kidding. <laughs> well, if, if you so choose, nothing if wrong you with so that. Choose. But, um, but yes, I mean, I, I'm saying that facetiously, but really any kind of practice that uh, uh, that is conducive to, um, helping one to regulate uh, their their feelings, their emotions, their impulses, helping one to better understand themselves, uh, any sort of practice or um, endeavor that helps one to uh, better manage uh, and alleviate stress and, and anxiety uh, uh, is, is uh, you know, we encourage, right? These are all kind of Per, uh, not just preventative measures, but management measures that uh, everyone should be engaging in on a daily basis to protect and preserve uh, their mental health. But um, as Alex mentioned earlier, you know, or implied, mental health is um, it, it's a it's a um, um, it, it's a it's a there, there's a there's a scale right there's a spectrum right and mental health. Uh, is not just limited to a homeless person who is experiencing an acute psychotic episode in the park and shouting at uh, his or uh, to to an imaginary person, right? Um, That is an example of a very severe mental health uh, crisis, right? A homeless person who has schizophrenia, for example. but. It's not meant, our understanding of mental health uh, should not be limited to just those extreme examples, no. severe, severe and persistent mental illnesses. No, and
1: he, but it, here's it, and here's why people can
0: have kind of minor to moderate symptoms that are, yeah. and it's just as important that they address those.
1: And here's yeah. why: because all of us, all of us, can fall uh, into a severe mental health crisis. Yes, all of us are vulnerable to having a mental health crisis. Yeah, it is. Um, yeah, it, it is definitely uh, something that happens to people that you wouldn't uh, assume would would have a mental health crisis. So, so in order to uh, prevent, it, just like we we monitor our diets and uh, and, and exercise regularly, hmm. um, we also should consider. Uh, being proactive in our mental health and protecting and preserving it mm-hmm. uh, in wh- in whatever way we can by yeah. getting out of toxic situations, mm-hmm. uh, putting up boundaries around toxic behaviors. Mm-hmm. Um, that includes in your personal life and in your work life. Mm-hmm. Um, abuse doesn't just have to happen at home. It also happens in the workplace. It happens in communities. It happens walking down the street. Mm-hmm. You know, There's a campaign not too long ago about um, uh, reporting. Um, reporting sexual assaults on, on mass transit, you know, like not letting it go. If you see something, say something, um, um, or not being afraid to step forward. Uh, so yeah, preserving our, um, our mental health is, is really important to a sustained, uh, good mental health, you know, a, a lifetime of mental health.
0: I think it might be important, um, uh, for our listeners, uh, to hear a little bit about, um, early warning signs or behaviors that are uh, reflective of a mental health struggle or even a crisis, right? Uh, uh, So that uh, they have a better understanding of uh, the ways in which mental health manifests in um, uh, kind of uh, certain behaviors, right? So what does Uh, If if one is experiencing a mental health crisis, a friend, a family member, um, what does that look like behaviorally? What are some of the signs? Well, let's
1: talk about signs. Let's talk about symptoms, right? Mm. So sometimes people have enough insight to say, I'm not feeling well and I'm experiencing this. That's a symptom. So people have symptoms and they're self-reporting those symptoms. Then there are signs. The signs are the things that the people around them are seeing. Right. So one sign uh, that that you might notice in someone would be uh, that they're talking about people um, talking behind their backs a lot. You know, they're having a meeting and they're talking about me um, you know, at work or I, you know, paranoia in general, um, retreating into oneself, uh, avoiding conversations on the phone, avoiding family members, avoiding friends, maybe not going to work. Those are signs. Those are signs. And it's like, in my case, sign.
0: avoiding my family is good for my mental health. Sorry. <laughs>
1: well, that is not unusual actually. <clears throat> yeah. That is not unheard of. Um,
0: uh, sorry, dad, just kidding. Not kidding. Fuck That's- you. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck you, Dad. Just kidding. Well, okay. Okay. Um,.
1: Okay.
0: <laughs> I had to throw no, in a little, no, throw in a little humor here. All this talk about mental health is depressing our listeners. I had to throw in a little bit of humor to like the move. But yeah.
1: yeah, it's, it's true. That yeah, it's pres- true. Well, this goes back to preserving, right? Yeah. It, it, that you 100% tell people to fuck off if yeah. they are absolutely toxic in your life. Yeah. Because it really does negatively impact your mental health and yeah. your physical health. Yeah. Mental health and physical health are connected. Yeah. You're experiencing stress, mental duress, psychological mm. abuse, physical abuse you know, mental abuse, you are going to have a physical reaction to it because your mind is connected to your body. But anyway, so, so some signs are, you know, retreating. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to equal that someone retreats and then that means that they're having a mental health crisis. But if someone is very gregarious in general, they're a very social extroverted person, they go out every night and then all of a sudden it just cuts off and they stay in their basement all day. That's kind of a sign that something might be off. Sure. Right? So,
0: so one, one of the telltale signs of, <laughs> of a mental health struggle crisis is a significant change in one's behavior from their baseline. Yeah. Well,
1: what's a baseline? Let's talk about it. Well,
0: whatever whatever you deem their baseline to be, like you just said, if someone is typically gregarious Mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden Mm -hmm. over the past few weeks or months, they are withdrawing and they haven't been talking to anyone. So
1: baseline is your basic functioning. It is how you are on a daily basis, how you are generally an authentic baseline Mm -hmm. is established. When you stray from that baseline, that is concerning any right. significant change in behavior
0: as Alex mentioned it's not necessarily a sign of a mental illness but it could be and right now we're talking about uh, telltale signs of a mental health struggle or crisis and uh, one of the one of the telltale signs is a significant change in in one's behavior from their baseline so what does that look like uh, someone someone kind of engaging in, in social withdrawal as Alex mentioned uh, uh, sleeping, uh, more than often or less than often. Um, changes in their appetite. They're eating more, they're eating less. Grooming. Than they usually do. Yeah. Uh, yeah, not, not taking, one not taking care, uh, a person not taking care of themselves. Um, uh, uh, you know, kind of um, uh, feelings of hopelessness, right? Uh,
1: Shaving one's head and beating a stranger with an umbrella.
0: Let's leave Brittany out of this. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, 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 also, perhaps a, 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 an increase uh in substance use, smoking, drinking, uh, uh, more, more than usual. Again, a departure from one's baseline in that regard. Uh, uh,
1: Spending, um, overspending, yeah. taking your savings and blowing it on in Vegas. So you know, in,
0: impulsive, impulsive behavior of any sort. Impulsivity, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, the it, thing
1: is, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was
0: just going to say uh, severe mood swings, irritability, right? Yeah. Uh,
1: the thing yeah. is with, with uh, signs and symptoms is that... Uh, it would be wonderful if someone had was developing symptoms and could come uh, to uh, someone that they trust in their lives or call up a, a clinic or a counseling office or go to an emergency room. Oftentimes, people that are having severe mental health crises do not have the insight into their own uh, mental health problems. Mm-hmm. So you could try to provide feedback to them. You can sit across from them, look them straight in the eyes, and give them your feedback and and tell them that you're concerned and they may not have any 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 sort of idea that they are in fact experiencing mental health symptoms right so oh god it's so complex because people that are having mental health crises people that have mental illness have a lot of rights as they should right Um, But the problem is sometimes people do not know that they're not behaving well, uh, meaning that they're putting themselves in harm's way or that they're putting someone else in harm's way. And so then their rights kind of diminish a little bit, right? And and then uh, we as mental health practitioners then can step in and we can hospitalize people against their wills, right? Uh, but generally speaking, that doesn't happen. People can be psychotic and wandering around the streets. People can be psychotic and stay in bed all day, day after day and hoard and, and you know, and their house can be can fall into ruin. I'm thinking of like Grey Gardens. Um Uh, Evie and her mom did you see that documentary yeah 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 yeah. so I watched the documentary about the documentary the other night um, and I can't remember what it was called but uh, oh my gosh Um, they weren't they didn't necessarily fall into the category of mentally ill you could argue that they did um, but their house was in shambles well right? it's it's
0: interesting because hoarding disorder is actually a relatively new diagnosis right it, is, it, ju- yeah. it 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 just appeared in the most recent edition of the diagnostic and statistical manual for mental disorders the DSM5 right the 5th edition uh, hoarding disorder has existed uh, for uh, i'm just, uh, for a long time right uh, but since it is it, new, since the beginning of yeah. mankind but it was just Established as, as a mental a, a mental a disorder recently.
1: Very good example of someone having a mental disorder and really not wanting to hear feedback about it mm-hmm. and not wanting it to be addressed. Yeah. I'm not saying across the board that this is the case, but this is a good example well, of someone experiencing signs of mental illness mm-hmm. such as hoarding, mm-hmm. and and not wanting to talk about it. It yeah. is it is a very deeply entrenched. Um,
0: well, we. We, we talked earlier about some of the obstacles that uh, uh, people face in, in, in their environments, in their communities, uh, uh, when, uh, as it pertains to uh, or when it comes to seeking out mental health support. Um, and it's not always a lack of resources, right, uh, or the lack of ability to access them. Sometimes, I would often argue uh, many times, um, it's the person not wanting to reach out uh, for resources uh because they either have the they, they don't they perhaps don't have insight into their into their mental health struggles or they do have the ability uh, to better understand their mental health struggles but they choose not to they choose to downplay the significance of their behavioral changes they for uh, various to, reasons for various well because again there there's a lot of shame in, uh, associated with having a mental illness there's still a stigma associated with mental illness Well but and also
1: society. people cling very tightly tightly to their behaviors, if they're deeply entrenched, if their habits, um, these are maladaptive coping mechanisms. I would never tear away someone's coping mechanism, no matter what it is, if it's not harming anyone greatly or themselves, um, you, this is what they've developed to learn how to cope with perhaps trauma. We don't want to take that away from people right away. That could create a mental health crisis in itself, right?
0: Yeah. 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 The, the point I was trying to make is just that uh, people uh, oftentimes uh, don't uh, want to acknowledge their mental health symptoms and therefore don't seek out services. And they don't acknowledge the mental health symptoms, uh, not because of a lack of insight, it's, it's just a lack of uh, a commitment uh, a lack of a desire to self reflect because of the stigma associated the societal stigma attached to uh, <coughs> mental illness. No one, wants, no one wants to say, I am struggling with my mental health. Even in this day and age where, um, again, as a result of the mental health commun- uh, advocacy community's work, people in general in our society have become more comfortable with the idea of um, uh, assessing their own mental health and, re- and seeking out mental health supports. There still is largely a stigma associated with all kinds of mental health right. struggles. And so yeah. well, let me just finish yeah. my point. And so uh, oftentimes that stigma, uh, in, a, in addition to or instead of kind of um, uh, uh, structural or institutionalized uh, obstacles, sometimes that stigma um, uh, is the, I think it oftentimes still is. Uh, the the primary obstacle for people uh, seeking out uh, mental
1: health supports. I disagree. Mm-hmm. There is stigma for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm but aside from stigma, uh, for some, some, we're not talking about schizophrenia necessarily. schizophrenia that, That's a whole other, that's a whole other, that's a podcast. Unto itself mm. is the resistance to treatment with schizophrenia, mm. but for things like hoarding, um, and many other types of behaviors that people have that could be classified as disorders, addictions that people have, people don't want to let go of these behaviors they don't want to let go of the behaviors. Why would they seek help if they don't want to let go of it? It's scary as well, just hell. Because, just
0: because they don't want to let go of it doesn't mean that the behaviors aren't maladaptive. Oh, no, right? no, no. no. Yeah.
1: For certain, they're for certain maladaptive. Mm. They're for certain hurting themselves mm. and their family members or other people in their lives. Mm. For certain they're hurting them, but they don't want to let go of them for whatever reason. And I say for whatever reason, well, it's because they were developed for a reason. Yeah. They were developed to help them cope.
0: Well, there's a lack of there's a lack of insight, uh, in addition to the stigma, right? Not
1: so. just coping, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but also like literally just can be a disorder, right? Yes, and the disorder I, I think, itself feels like a lifestyle and people yes. cling very very very
0: strong yes enjoyed. but but yes uh but I'm, I'm just kind of making the larger and kind of just simpler point that People in general don't like to admit when they're ill. Nobody does. Whether no. it's a physical illness, this is why people don't get... Uh,
1: oh, uh, I guess I was talking about like the motivation. Yeah. Kind of not wanting to admit well, that they're ill and the motivation no, I mean, is that, stigma.
0: That, no, that 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 is a stigma, valid... Stigma,
1: but also not wanting to stop it. Well, that that
0: is, sure, That that is absolutely part of the problem. That is part of the reason why people don't, uh, don't seek out mental health support. Some people, uh, you know, don't prioritize their mental health. They don't want to. They like their lifestyle, even if their behavior are maladaptive they are they're okay with it and that's That's all right. We we don't have a. uh, It's not our job as mental health professionals to demand that people uh, improve their behaviors or change their behaviors or prioritize their mental health. Um, It's our job to support people who have already determined that they have that they have a struggle and they're prioritizing their mental health and they want to make changes. It's our job to help facilitate a path forward for them, right? To, To support them in their therapeutic journey, but. Um, the point I was trying to make earlier was just that, generally speaking, people don't like to admit that they have an illness, whether it's a mental no. illness or a physical illness or both. Um, it's it's difficult. Psychologically and emotionally, it's challenging to reflect upon the illness and what it might mean. And so people tend to suppress uh, those thoughts, uh, kind of uh, put them out of their mind and and, and avoid them. This is why people... Die of stage four cancer uh, uh, sometimes because uh, they're, 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 they feel that something is wrong with their body. Uh, they they might have a tumor. They they don't feel well. They're in pain, but they don't get preventative treatment. Or they wait until the last minute to go see a doctor. And by that time, unfortunately, sometimes it's too late. Um, people don't like there. There's an aversion to the healthcare system. Uh, uh, there and there's also uh, there are also people in general have difficulty admitting uh, or uh, kind of uh, coming to terms with their vulnerabilities and they don't want to admit that they're sick or they're ailing and need help.
1: Yes. But so I think I, that's a
0: common obstacle to mental health assessments and, and treatment across the board.
1: So I want to make one point to what you said, mm-hmm. where you said that we treat people that are voluntarily coming in. Uh, I'd say like, you know, so people that are voluntarily coming in and wanting to be proactive and address their mental health. Right. Um, And and, and I would say, yes, uh, that is the case with us now as practitioners. But I've worked in situations where there have been hoarding situations, for instance, where um, uh, the Department of Child and Family Services had to be called because it was a hazard. To have the number of boxes that were lined up in that house, yeah. it was a hazard to the children. Yeah. So there are times that people can keep uh, keep the authorities at bay and just stay entrenched in their their mental disorder yeah. and in their dysfunction. But it, if it's affecting, a, a, you know family, friends, um, to the point where it could harm family and friends mm-hmm. or community, uh, then there are things in place that that where people are forced to address their mental health symptoms. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I think that's it for today. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I, I think I, I think we can. We, uh, before we wrap up, um, I think it's important to inform um, our listeners uh, about um, kind of uh, the, 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 the the steps you can take uh, to uh, access mental health supports uh, if you uh, 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 feel like you need them. Um, of course, if you're not in a crisis and you're, you're struggling uh, with with your mental health in any way, shape, or form, um, you can. Uh, uh, obviously go online and I would recommend using psychology today it's a great resource great platform for identifying um, uh, therapists that are in network with your insurance carrier Um, you can uh, go on there to uh, find a a particular type of therapist with a particular type of specialty you can uh, see if they have availability to take on new clients if they are in fact an in-network provider with your insurance carrier Um, that would be Uh, our recommendation for your first step using psychology today uh, to locate a network provider uh, in the District of Columbia or in any state you listen. So
1: that's therapy, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Perhaps psychiatry. I don't know. Uh, uh, We're on there. Um, It's a
0: good place to start. But the
1: Department of Behavioral Health in any city is also a a really great resource to know about Mm -hmm. for people that are having symptoms that fall outside the range of, uh, you know, just. Depression. I, I, I don't know. Department of Behavioral Health is a great resource uh, for severe and persistent mentally ill people.
0: Um, yeah. So the Department of Behavioral Health primarily services the Medicaid population uh, and they, their, their programs uh, are designed to service a very particular segment of the mental health population. But if uh, someone
1: is in a crisis across the board, Department of Behavioral Health...
0: Yeah, I I was gonna I was gonna get to that. If you're if as I said, if you're not in crisis uh, and you are looking to for uh, you feel like you're struggling with your mental health, but you don't know where to start, I think therapy is always a good idea, right? And you can use psychology today to uh, uh, identify and access. Therapy practices in the district, or really in any city or state you live in, if you do, if you are experiencing a mental health crisis, or what you deem to be a mental health crisis, if you feel like you're, and by that I mean if you feel like you're a harm to yourself, others, or property, uh, uh, you can, you should contact, you can contact nine one one if it's kind of, uh, if you feel like the threat is immediate, um, uh, but you can also go to the Department of Behavioral Health website. Uh, in the district in the District of Columbia uh, to access a variety of mental health services, both crisis services, housing services, and longer term uh, services. They primarily um, uh, service the Medicaid uh, population, um, but it, uh, but their services are not entirely limited to the Medicaid uh, population. Um, their services are primarily designed to. Um, service a particular segment of the mental health population and again, that's kind of the uh, the Medicaid population um, uh, 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 the more severely kind of uh, impaired, uh, uh, in terms of functionality, uh, population, uh, but it's a good place to access resources for mental health in the district in general. Um, and of course, you can always uh, Google Compass Rose Counseling and Consultation. In addition to being the best therapy practice in the district, we provide free consultations to all prospective clients over the phone or email. And that's important because it's come to my attention that a lot of their private therapy practices in the district charge for consultation services Mm. we do not Mm -hmm. so
1: and we actually answer the phone and answer emails within 24 to 48 hours absolutely
0: so uh, thank you Alex uh, uh, for today's initial uh, podcast entitled what is mental health Uh, we will be back in a couple of weeks with our uh, second episode uh, entitled healing where is, is right. That is the title yeah, of our second. Yeah, okay, yeah. just want to make sure. Uh, perhaps that title is still in the works, but uh, we're excited about. Im- I guess I said in the beginning of, of the uh, episode, we we're excited about embarking on this. Uh, this uh, podcast journey uh, with you and along the way we hope you learn a lot about mental health and perhaps quite a bit about yourself um, and how you can go about better managing preserving and protecting your mental health and also uh, accessing a variety of therapeutic resources here in the district
1: okay until next time
0: until next time